So this one here is interesting. The fact that it's twenty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but has a thirty five <laughs> on Metacritic. Right. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Tell you what, you massage those numbers too, and after you guys are through with your respective massages, Happy we'll uh, get we'll get some reports. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, Kelly Wand, you have seen this movie. I now want you to spoil it for everyone listening. So if you have not seen Identity Thief and you don't want any spoilers, Kelly Wand is about to ruin your day with his <laughs> Ideopsis. Nah, was that a little too truncated, Kelly Wand? That's the original title. You have to update it. To the and movie. now it is the Identity Thopsis. Thepsis. Thepsis. Okay, I like that better. Hey, when you earlier you said, hey, we're not going to spoil the movie yet, so don't bail out. Mm-hmm. Did that mean now that I'm going to spoil the movie, they should bail out now? If they don't want Identity Thief spoilers, they should bail now, yes. Oh. Because, Kelly, one of the things you say, if, I, if, I, if someone is spoiler-averse, they're not going to want to hear a synopsis. Oh. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's nothing personal, but synopsis necessarily includes spoilers. No, I know. It's just Jake Hang that you. There are parts of the podcast you want people to bail out on. Well, actually, do you know what? Don't bail. Just fast forward to the three by three. I don't mind if they bail. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Kelly right. wants it's okay to bail. Uh, I think you should just fast forward. Uh, we'll weigh in. We'll have Dingus weigh in later. Uh, but first, here we go. The identity thesis. Yeah. Uh, identity thesis. Jason Bateman. Don't know the actor's name. Plays his most relatable everyman yet, an accountant who's super careful about his finances, but he's not, since he gives a fat chick in Miami enough info on the phone in three seconds to steal his ID. She's a real wizard identity thievery, so she has 30 blenders, except she's not, since she rips off drug lords who try to shoot her. Jason Bateman tracks her down instantly. She has no friends, but she does, since she buys 2000 bucks worth of free drinks for thousands of strangers every night. So she doesn't need the blenders. <laughs> That's the weather reviewing the offices. She's also a horrible person, but she isn't, because she was in foster care. She also never gets laid, except she does instantly by farting on a rich hillbilly. Rich hillbillies like when husbands watch them sobbingly mourn their average weight dead wife than fuck their fat live wife, but only if the husbands watch through closed bathroom doors with towels over their heads. Spoiler. Jason Cho's John Bateman's good friend, but he's not since a tall black cop said the word narcotics. In Colorado, (laughs) cops are hardcore about fraud except when it happens out of state. Then, in accordance with federal statutes... They have the accused by handcuffs fly to Florida to assault female suspects and fly them at gunpoint back to their jurisdiction. Colorado. The fat chick won't take shit from anybody unless they work at a salon. The bounty hunter drug lords out to kill and or driver somewhere other than Colorado are badass terminators and non-Caucasians with ice water in their veins, except when trying to drive through police cordons with non-Caucasians caterwauling from the trunk. Is it caterwauling? Yes. They're all crack shots as long as they aim at nothing. In Missouri, if your car breaks down, blue 18-wheelers will ram it and keep driving. (laughs) Identity Thief tells Terminator to be nice to her because she gave him juice, although she drinks it. Jason Bateman exacts revenge on his ex-boss, Vince Vaughn, by getting arrested while having a romantic dinner at an upscale restaurant with Identity Thief, whom he now appreciates... Now that she's set his neck snake on fire, <laughs> somehow carried it half a mile to a hobo's corpse. 
In Missouri, remote train stations cure fatal CG snake bites and third degree burns. Fuck you guys. We never see them. I don't know. See? Next snake was awesome. What's the matter with you? I was pretending to be upset. <laughs> One more of those, and we're going to get an R rating, Kelly. Watch it. Oh, see, it said 13. See, you can't. All right. We'll discuss this later. Like, never. We never see third build Vince Vaughn again after the first scene, but it's so satisfying to assume his character got his just desserts. All our crafty heroes had to do to balance the scale of corporate justice was get the bald St. Louis version of Jason Bateman fired by feeding him a bunch of bullshit and hoping his computer doesn't have internet and is attached to a monitor. To quell their Mark's suspicions, she tells Jason Bateman to let her do the talking, and it only takes three seconds, but it doesn't. So he does all the talking, and it works, because he knows the acronym for a form, but it doesn't. And they get arrested at dinner, after the cops and waiters standing around their table have silently waited out her tear-soaked confessional about her foster curators being unable to name her, despite six tries. Fucking cops arresting our star-crossed anti-heroes just because they forgot to blow town and that they were in a huge hurry because in a week the cops are going to tell John Cho's clients narcotics. Jason Bateman and Roseanne both get in big trouble with the law for the whole fraud thing, but luckily the charges against Bateman are later dropped since they smash a cop car and flee from justice in the middle of a busy freeway. (laughs) In Colorado, if you're a black dude or Zoe Saldana and you've been shot, Occupying a car trunk's a felony. Jason Bateman's wife, Amanda Pete, loves her husband and kids more than anything. But it's too sensible to convict the obnoxious fat chick in Miami who destroyed their finances and came on to him. Because she gave her kids wigs and tattoos sometime in the middle of the night and taught them good <laughs> eating habits. And that prison's awesome. And so is throat punching, but only as long as the victim's her husband or law enforcement officials. You kids cheated, sorry, identity thief shrieks at her five-year-olds on Attica's patio. (laughs) The family and other inmates all laugh, and the warden's Ryan Reynolds. Since there's only two kids, guess Amanda Pete had a miscarriage, which she's taking pretty well. Or maybe inspired by (laughs) Kathy. Oh, my God. Oh, Kelly Wad. You did not stay for the end. That stroller? Oh, I did. <laughs> Kelly Wad left early. <laughs> that fleshy thing that they're holding in her hands? Nothing. That's what babies look like. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was one of the game pieces. <laughs> I forgot. Look, just I remember what I saw. You're both wrong. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Amanda Pete had a miscarriage, as I was saying. <laughs> Idiots. Those are hilarious jokes. Miscarriage <laughs> jokes. Can't get enough of them. Which she's take The booby did it. I'm just reporting it. <laughs> the booby didn't do it! <laughs> Look, Dingus... Try harder. Try harder. <laughs> Dingus, let's settle down and concentrate on what's important. The rest of the joke. <laughs> okay. Man of Pete had a miscarriage, Dingus, which she's taking pretty well. Or maybe inspired by Kathy and Jimmy's example, she gave up the baby to foster care. To become an obese criminal with corns. See? <laughs> totally balances out the miscarriage. Bummer. Comedy <laughs> buffoon. All right, now that Jason Bateman's family is also identity thieves and they share a prison cell, she's officially smart enough to get an A-plus on her business degree. And John Cho is going to make her chairman of the board once she serves her <laughs> years with good behavior by getting tasered every five minutes. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. 
I remember most of the movie. I only saw it an hour ago. I don't remember a stroller. Oh, she's breastfeeding it? See, they cut it down for the Canadian rating. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jason Bateman's cradling it the whole time. Yeah, I don't know what he does. <laughs> well, I was focusing on more important things. I understand. Like, who's going to put away sorry? <laughs> That's yeah. right. I thought, all right, enough from me. All right, well, Kelly Wan, no, not enough from you yet, because I want to know, uh, what did you think of Identity Thief? Uh, wait, I have to go again first? All right. Uh, did we like Horrible Bosses? That's my first answer. No. I think Dingus was lighter on it than the rest of us was, but I hated Horrible Bosses. I remember one of us hated it, and then I went, uh. Now, we should point out real quick, I don't know that I don't know if Dingus mentioned this in the uh, in, in mentioning the director's name, but the director is the director of Horrible Bosses and a documentary called King of Kong. Um, oh, I love King of Kong, though. I've never seen that, and yeah, so I've heard good things about that's it. That's a documentary, right? Not exactly. A it's not. A, it's not a movie, right? He needs so to that's... stick to reality. Not. He needs he... to stick to Stranger Than Fiction, not fiction. He also so, did but... Freakonomics, another documentary. Yeah, not a movie, Dingus. Uh, so, uh, horrible bosses, Dingus. Is that correct? Like you were a little less down on it than I was. Am I well, no, I actually, I actually quite liked it. I, okay. I didn't think it was perfect, but I liked it. You guys, I just uh, didn't. Make, I didn't want to think I was ambivalent. But yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to make you feel foolish, Dingus. I was trying to sugarcoat it. Oh, I appreciate that. It's no Avatar. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, all right, so so that's where we were on Horrible Bosses, Kelly Wan. So fast forward now to Identity Thief, his next movie. Go ahead. Uh, I think it's a step backwards, and I don't think he's Ouch. a good comedy director, and he's really clunky and predictable in the schmaltz and anemic and unconvincing. And I remember liking some things in Horrible Bosses, but in this uh, – I don't know. I kind of All right. Well, we have him as a guest on the podcast this week. Let's welcome Seth Gordon into the. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So Kelly Wand, a step back from horrible bosses. That's that's harsh. Was that supposed to make me shit my pants with terror? <laughs> I don't know. Seth Gordon was in your house. Kelly Wan, you'll never work in this town again. Oh, no. You made Seth Gordon angry. Uh, You know what? Kelly Wan joined the club because we saw on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, I I think lots of folks are not down with this movie. Uh, It's being received pretty harshly. Um, I'm bummed, though, because King of Kong's genius. But I guess it's... But it's not a movie, though, right? He just got lucky making... Well, that's the thing about documentaries. Yeah, you can't... It's yeah. Those are hard to make, though. It's well, what if you're, yeah, like, what if the subject matter doesn't, like, turn out, or it's boring, yeah, exactly. Like Grave no, Encounters. You don't need a script. That's the thing about a documentary. Dingus has a point. Yeah. That's just, why they're not movies at any rate. So documentaries don't count. That's off the table. And So Seth Gordon, as far as I am concerned, the only other movie he's made is Horrible Bosses. Um, but what's the guy who made, who made Thin Blue Line and all those other... Thin Philip Morris. Errol Morris. Errol, Errol Morris. Morris. Yeah. Morris. He doesn't try to make a horrible bosses. He just sticks to the document. Him and Ken Burns. Exactly. Seth, no. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Seth Gordon, take note. Be more like Errol Morris. That's, well, you know what? We, before we say that, so let's go around the room. So Kelly Wand, not, not down with Identity Thief. Dingus, get in here. What did you think of Identity Thief? Oh, I quite liked it. I think it, I think it benefits greatly from the... Uh, super low expectations I had, and I'm a sucker for cheap laughs, and I think there's plenty, and I really loved uh, the energy and the chemistry that uh, Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy had. I really liked it. Kelly Wan, what do you have to say to that? (laughs) I want to hug Dingus, but pity him at the same time. (laughs) uh, I get that a lot, actually. 
See, uh, all right. So the, okay. it makes me think you might have been wrong on your highness after all. Because remember, I was starting to bend on your highness because Dingus really loved it, and now I'm thinking maybe your highness was terrible because he liked well, it. It was. <laughs> uh, me liking it doesn't make it any good. What's the funniest part of this movie to you? Because I didn't remember an iconic comedy moment, and maybe I missed it because I missed a baby. <laughs> <laughs> The opposite of a comedy moment, and there's a lot of opposites of comedy moments in the last hour and a half of the movie. Uh, Dingus, did we lose you? No, I'm still here. Oh, he's ready for me to finish rambling. <laughs> uh, no, I think he's having a hard time thinking of the funniest part of the movie. I think you put him on the spot, Kelly Wand. I can tell you, though, for a fact, I saw this with Dingus. Uh, Dingus uh, laughed quite a bit. Really? And- Yes, at one point, so Dingus was on my left side, on the right side was a, was a, a couple, and they were probably about like 30-something, and the woman was a really large Hispanic woman uh, who would occasionally check her cell phone, but very surreptitiously. She didn't seem too into the movie, but a couple of times Dingus would laugh really loud, and Dingus and I laugh at things that other people in the audience don't really laugh at, uh, so a couple of times Dingus would laugh really loud, and she would go, Damn. <laughs> At Dingus or the movie? Yeah, yeah, totally at Dingus. Like, she would look over at him, and I felt a little protective. I wanted to tell her to shut up. Like, I felt like I needed to say something. But I, on two occasions, she she breathed. She was Jason Bateman and Dingus was her. I didn't know. <laughs> right. right, Dingus was a Melissa McCarthy. She yeah. was Jason Bateman, right? She was embarrassed for him. Fuck, dude. It's not funny. So, Dingus, I know you did enjoy some parts. Uh, let's let's. What do you have to say to Kelly Wan's question? Um, when the van flips over. That's what that was my favorite part. No. Come on, <laughs> come on that shot, Kelly Wan. you got to admit, the slow-mo shot, it looked like a back screen. Like a, what do you, what do you call that? Like I already thought truck coming in the background, blah, 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 parked on the thing. I hated being ahead of the movie. But sorry, what did I miss? I also loved it when, um, I loved the Ben Falcone scene. I loved when uh, Jason Bateman tries to turn the tables on her. And uh, talks about her being a chimp who's escaped after she says that he can digest uh, Pringles, I think. And then uh, Ben Falcone says, you know, being a nice is a choice, and then makes him stay there. I like that a lot. Uh, do you remember the one moment where only, the only two people laughing in the theater were uh, Tom and uh, Dingus? Do I remember? Uh, yeah. I thought there were a few of those, but no. When Was there some point where nobody else in the audience thought something was funny that we obviously enjoyed quite a bit? Yes. When was that? What? This is the line that we both enjoyed that nobody else in the audience could have cared less about. You know what? I'm going to get you a copy of The Fountainhead. You're going to read it. <laughs> I, I like that part. You won me on that one. That was good. And your other one was good, too. So I'm, I'm an idiot. Identity thief rules. <laughs> well, we haven't heard from Tom yet, actually. Kelly Wan, stick to your guns, because I think it's an awful movie. I think it's terrible. It, it misfires in so many important points. Uh, I do agree with you, Kelly Wan, that Seth Gordon is just awful at what he does. But I, it, for a terrible movie, I really, really enjoyed it, mainly because Melissa McCarthy is so freaking committed. She carried this movie entirely. Um, and, and as Dingus mentioned, I also benefited from lowered expectations. I had heard from, we have a mutual friend who was telling us about how it was awful, and he hated it, and um, so, and I didn't want to see it. I wanted to see the Steven Soderbergh movie this weekend. Um, so my expectations were really low. But man, I just I could just watch her. She she was just amazing. She it didn't matter to me that the movie was awful on so many counts. She was just so engaging to watch and energetic and committed. Um, 
So what I think of with a, with a movie like this, um, based so completely on one actor, Melissa McCarthy, um, it reminds me a little bit of where I think Zach Galifianakis is screwing up. Mm. Um, Zach Galifianakis, who's a colossally funny guy and just fascinating to watch, he's been in things like uh, A Funny Thing Happened, The Hangover sequel, Due Date, where he just seems like he doesn't want to be there. He's phoning it in that you can see some of his his humor and his charm and talent. You can see glimpses of it, but for the most part, he just the, the movie can't take advantage of what he does, and he doesn't seem to be offering much. So a crappy comedy like Due Date is... He doesn't do anything to elevate it. Melissa McCarthy, on the other hand, I mean, I don't see this as that substantially different from Due Date, for instance, except for the fact that whereas Zach Galifianakis could not be bothered to care to care about being in Due Date, Melissa McCarthy just she just completely was committed to this, so completely devoted, and even to the point where those those goofy, emotionally redemptive moments, I was blown away by her. There yes. are two moments in this God. movie. Oh, well, there are two moments in this movie where she has to break down, and they're not situated very well. And they're basically a little, okay, now you've got to sort of give an emotional heart and a little sense of redemption. And there's not much supportive structure for those moments. One of them is she's just answering a phone, and there's little girls on the other end. And the other is this <sighs> not necessarily very well-written dinner scene. Um, but, man, aside from how they fit into the structure of the movie, just her commitment to those and the genuine emotion that she really put underneath them, I just thought was stunning. Um, so I just felt so, I just so completely enjoyed being able to watch what Melissa McCarthy is good at, watch her do it and be completely 110% committed, even though it was a bad movie. So for that reason, man, I really enjoyed this. Ugh. <laughs> well, go ahead. What does that mean, Kelly? Walker? I can never get past the writing. Like, if the acting's perfect, okay. it's okay. still. I you, I hate my fucking. I hate redemption in my comic characters, and she gets redeemed really early on. That this, the phoning the girls scene, like that's the, their first night out on the town. She's in, I like that she's still throat punching and getting tasered in the last shot. Like that's at least something. I knew you would like that. I knew you would appreciate that moment because it's a joke. I like jokes in my comedies because it shows that her redemption isn't complete you know but she's she not it's an a plus at her business exam even though her nervous system must be mostly like uncle fester's flashlight what no but she's super she's she's got her moment she's got street smarts you know that whole thing about the airplane ticket and everything uh you bet you feel pretty dumb now don't you but she's making okay go ahead sorry Kelly go ahead she makes tons of mistakes though like that nothing none of the paradigms stay the way they are you're speaking like a Canadian yeah maybe that ruined it I was surrounded by Canadians and they they were mostly like your seatmate but they were reacting to the movie like that like they were acting like it was all actually happening like oh she threw up oh my god <laughs> so that might have been affecting my I don't know. I mean but Kelly Wong, what do you think? I I completely understand not being able to get past bad writing. I mean you're a writer, I, I completely understand that that's sort of what you respond to and that's what you look at. But but compared to due date, I mean would you put the can you sort of enjoy this more than something like due date like do you see much of a difference there because to me it's like a night and day thing i was so bored in due date and i was not bored for a moment in in uh in identity thief um really she, i was she, definitely yeah 
so to you, those are kind of on par. That that because those moments were really they were expected and they were slow. And in due date, there's not that there's not much of that. Well, not just those moments, Kelly Wan, but the performances specifically, like like watching Zach Galifianakis versus watching Melissa McCarthy. Like to you, neither of those is necessarily one isn't necessarily better than the other. Like to you, they're both you know these are poorly these are folks in poorly written comedies. I'm just not digging it. Yes. Okay. Personal okay. taste thing. Well, I don't get. I, I don't remember a moment of actual sincerity from Zach Galifianakis in Due Date. They tried one. They tried one where yeah. they're talking and it's starting to rain. Uh, I, I, I do remember, and I don't even remember that specifically. But I do remember one moment in Due Date where where they do try to do this uh, a little gravitas to his background, and uh, and it's you know, it, yeah, it could have worked. I mean, it. it, it it was nowhere, you know. Zach Galifianakis again. It was. It was just nowhere near as committed as Melissa McCarthy was in this. I think he's too famous. Maybe like I think he's just made it too big. Uh, so maybe he's not hungry anymore. Who knows? Um, or he's punishing us for making him do more hangovers. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's the same dynamic too, where the wife loves that character. Like, oh, you should bring Zach Galifianakis, even though he drugged you guys and made, a, made you late for the wedding. Take him along again to Thailand. And then in this, too, it's like the wife's like, oh, yeah, we'll go visit her in prison. Constantly. Well, they're clearly studio comedies. I mean, you got to know what you're in for when you go to one of these, Kelly Wand. I mean, this, this is so studio, so pat. Um, uh, that doesn't have to be that way. This is a choice they're making. Just... You say it doesn't have to be that way, but I think $40 million says otherwise, Kelly Wand. <laughs> I think that it let Jason Bateman riff more often, and her more often. It felt very – those moments are taking out of – they're cutting into the meat. They're kind When you say riff more – okay, as far as being more improvisational. I don't yeah. really – okay. Yeah, I yeah, I don't Both of Dingus's quotes sounded improvised to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm totally underselling the writing. Well, they definitely pushed Jason Bateman more into the conventional straight man thing. Like he was never, you know, he gets whacked with a burning torch, and he all the all the uh, the the bad things, the mishaps befall him, and he's the straight man, and and I like him as that. Like he's just so yeah. amazingly good at that, which is another thing. You know, Dingus, actually, you mentioned the chemistry. Um, talk a little bit about that. So, so Jason Bateman is a straight man, and then uh, Melissa McCarthy is the comic relief. Um, that obviously worked for you, right, Dingus? Oh, yeah. I loved the way they worked together. And I loved how angry he would get and how that would continually backfire on him and how much she was an expert at playing him. And how he seemed – he just seemed so genuine and so afraid and so aware of the stakes of what he, of what he was going through. Now, it's sort of a, a, a known truth that um, – that Really good acting cannot triumph over bad writing. You know, bad writing, good writing can save bad acting, but uh, but good acting cannot usually save bad writing. But I think because of what you said about Melissa McCarthy and how committed she is and how well he works with that, he doesn't try to overcome her. He doesn't try to overdo what she's doing. Right. He just really compliments her so well, and he's so such a generous actor. He, I think he just does that so well. Yeah. I love the way they work together. I get annoyed when I can't tell if a character's smart or stupid. <laughs> My comedies. Well, he's uh, smart within within the parameters of what he's smart and good at. 
Right. He's a, he's got an emotional IQ that she doesn't necessarily have, but he doesn't know he doesn't know her world. He doesn't know it at all. He knows to follow the rules, and um, you know there are things I question, like that whole getting the expensive hotel with uh, with John Waldo's yeah, credit card. That's but but that whole St. Louis theme is that whole St. Louis section is such a lull. I mean, the movie is really poorly put together as far as pacing is concerned. Um, but I think he. I don't. I never get that feeling that I don't know how smart he is. So many uh, car chases too. It's not the Tom wasn't bored during. There were two car chases, and they were both very made for. <laughs> they were both very made for TV. I felt. And that yeah. music, that PG thirteen music. That music is. Uh, and there's a reason I made a midnight run joke at the beginning. Besides the fact right. that there's a lot of parallels, that music really is. Uh, seeking, I think, really seeking to ape Danny Elfman's excellent uh, Midnight Run score, which has this sort of weird bluesy tone that a lot of that most of Danny Elfman's stuff doesn't have. And this, you can really, you can at least I can because I know that soundtrack so well. I really think that the guy who does the soundtrack for this, who's a, a fellow who does a lot of uh, or has done a lot of video game stuff, um, named Christopher Lennertz. Uh He does Mass Effect Three, by the way. Kiss your woman. I think he's really trying to ape Midnight Run. And I actually really liked it for that reason. And the, that, that car chase, the one where he's taking off after um, the T-1000's van, when he goes through <laughs> that intersection and he's so nervous about it, I loved the way that was filmed. I thought it, it got the, the speed and the panic of that moment. I, I thought those were nicely put together. All right. Uh, Dingus, you were you were saying something earlier about uh, Robert Patrick. So I I thought Robert Patrick looks awesome, like looking old and grizzled like that. Yeah, uh, I I would like he showed up and I was like, damn that man, he put him in an action movie. Stat. Uh, <laughs> I really liked like I I like how he's turning out. Uh, he's always you... good. He's good in uh, striptease even. What striptease? That Demi Moore thing. The he's like thing? a redneck in that. He's, the same, he's just kind of a character in striptease, and he's really funny. He's only in like a few scenes. He was is it Gangster Squad? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, Dingus. Right with the, under that mustache, I forgot that was him. Uh, is, doesn't he show up to waterboard Denzel Washington in Safe Room? Yeah, isn't that him? Yeah, yeah. So he's no, doing Safe House. Safe House. Uh, safe. Yeah, right. Safe House. Thank you, Dingus. Right. Uh, He's in uh, Charlie's Angels too again, also with Demi Moore. I just remembered. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I love seeing that guy pop up. Um, uh, all right, so uh, do we all know that Ben Falcone is married to Melissa McCarthy? Uh, because that certainly makes their scene all the more adorable. And certainly <laughs> the bits from uh, from Bridesmaids are now even cuter. Do you know that Kelly Wand? Wait, what's his scene with her in this? Oh, he's the hotel clerk. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was the air, air marshal. Yeah, yeah, the air marshal in Brighton. Sandwich. Eat a sandwich while they have sex. Exactly. Yes. So that's what they they actually and probably. You know, who knows what they do in their own home? But maybe that was some insight. They weren't it. acting. It's documentary because it's like Camp Con. Exactly. Uh, Kelly Wan, did you recognize anyone from Breaking Bad or Modern Family? Uh, Breaking Bad, yes. He didn't get a good payoff. No kidding, man. When he show- so his name is Jonathan Banks, and I love that guy. Uh, and he's so awesome in Breaking Bad, and that's all they were going to do with him? That who was, who that is that? Was- he's the guy who's in prison. I think his name is Paco or Pablo. Oh, all right, all right. Um, and they do amazing stuff with that guy, Dingus, in, in Breaking Bad. Um, and no, nothing here. They did nothing with him here. That was sad. You, you know, 
I usually get really annoyed by that kind of thing, but I really like how it doesn't. This movie doesn't have the pat payoffs that you're expecting. I, I like that we don't have this silly comeuppance for for John Favreau or. There were a number of things, like the um, the anxiety pills. There's never a silly, she's drugged or he's drugged going through an airport kind of a thing. There's a number of things that just don't pay off. And I, and I guess you would call it sloppy writing, but I like that they're more, for me, red herrings, that we don't have some of those things happen. That's fine with me. Dingus, wait a minute. Are you calling out uh, the being drugged on the airplane scene from Bridesmaids? <laughs> I guess he hated it. That was comedy nope. gold with stove. Come on, dingus. Well, I really liked it, but I was expecting that kind of thing to happen here. Once you say we're bringing the anxiety meds, and then the only payoff is her not using them in a in a really lovely way. Uh, I like that. I liked that. That never because you expect that. You expect well, they've got drugs, so you you can't bring a drug without somebody taking it. As I believe Chekhov said. <laughs> Chekhov <laughs> Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Hmm. So a few, some of the things that really didn't work for me where I realized, oh, I don't think this director really knows what he's doing or appreciates what he's got. Um, I really could have done without the mashed potatoes on the face bit. Uh, and even the weird so lovable. And even the weird Bermuda Triangle speech to Amanda Pete. Like at that point, that just felt like forced shtick. Like it's like, oh, why are we doing these kind of gags this late in the movie? And they're this painfully bad. Oh, I mean, if Pete has to carry that water, oh, okay, that's charming. Stay the night. You have well, the, leave of the house. The mashed potatoes is clearly a callback to him dipping his kid's head in the cake. Oh, that too. Yeah. What was the uh, weird? Yeah, there's weird food etiquette in this movie. Yeah. What was that? Dingus, do you do that with your son? Uh, no, I. He does that to me, actually. Smash his face in a cage. Okay, so he does that to you. Fair enough. Did the uh, director remember that was a different character? Or did he just go, hey, yeah, i got to do that food thing that my family does every night. <laughs> They'll love it. Sorry. Uh, so, Kelly Wand, you mentioned enjoying like the throat punches and stuff, and I, some of that was kind of funny, but I was a little uncomfortable with... Um, I, I, with the uh, playing with beating up a woman as slapstick, like, I, and particularly since it wasn't really funny, I was not really comfortable with some of the, uh, I guess you might call it roughhousing. I mean, because nobody really gets hurt. Um, but so I wasn't that, the the visit, like like him smacking her around really just felt icky to me. He hits her in the head. He throws a what is it in that one part where they're fighting? I like that. He throws something at her, knocks her down, and then he he basically like smashes her in the face with a guitar. And yeah, I like that. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. I love that guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. It was, it was really weird, actually, because I, I thought that that was perfectly acceptable slapstick, except I'm sitting next to Tom, who I can hear cringing. Really? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just making these, oh, are we going to hit a woman? And he's sitting um, there doing this weird commentary about hitting a woman, and, and I didn't I mean, I McCarthy's commitment too. It's the thing he was praising earlier, and now he's like, I don't know, hitting with a guitar is. I didn't want that kind of commitment from her. Well, even you know what? Here's the thing: is this kind of like consequence-free violence? Like her punching people in the neck, fine. That's going to be your joke. That's a shtick. That's fine. But when she gets hit by the car, they do a pretty gruesome CG, like body bouncing off of the pavement stuff. Like some of that, I just didn't understand. Like what? That's that's a little. To, but then uh, she knew how to fall right for some reason. Because she read WikiHow. Yeah, WikiHow. <laughs> <laughs> Her character's fleshed out. 
Why'd she... Uh, get well, it? Well, and it, it comes to... Oh, Dingus. Dingus. Oh, Dingus. See? Um, Dingus is good. I, I also... There's the weird <laughs> scene where the people in the department store are laughing at her mm. uh, while she's doing the, the hairspray. Uh, and she's ashamed. And why does yeah she doesn't throat punch them right she she instead comes humbled. to them and 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 says yeah she's humbled she says I need help uh, and then they help her like that was a weird beat I didn't know what the director was trying to do with that or the script was was that just felt weird to me because it's almost like we the, those snooty department store people are kind of a stand-in for us the audience like we've been laughing at her and oh she's fat haha she can't run haha. And then we're supposed to feel sorry for her. I didn't know what was up with that scene. Uh, and it just felt weird and out of place. I don't think they were supposed to be us. I think they were supposed to be our friends. Oh, wait. They're supposed to be the woman sitting next to Tom. Damn. <laughs> Kelly Wan, how did you feel? Speaking of damn, Kelly Wan, how did you feel about her uh, her transformation? I would have done her when she was hideous. One, two, three, uh-huh. you and me got Two to one, Kelly Wand. We we uh we outvote you. Uh, identity uh, theft is worth seeing. I give it a thirty-five. What do you give it? Twenty-four. <laughs> I give it a, a qualified. It's a terrible movie, but boy did I enjoy it. And I think Dingus that leaves you to be genuinely like thumbs up about it. Yep, top ten, baby. Uh, <laughs> it could have been good. Kelly Wand, some. Some people kind of want to fall into the Bermuda Triangle and they never get out. Dingus is one of them. <laughs> oh, that's so charming. I did not lay a hand on or in her. No, oh, a finger. God. A finger. 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 Yeah, first of all, Dingus screwed up the joke. Dingus was, <laughs> was thinking of his own. I was trying to do it for the trailer. Uh, oh, that's right. So the trailer, Kelly Wand, uh, Dingus, tell him about the uh, Kenya line. I love that. All right, so the Kenyan line in the movie, do you remember that, Kelly Wand? Yes, I thought it was funny. And what what is the line? The line is, "What are you, a fucking Kenyan?" Yeah, and in the trailer, it is Tom. What are you, a Kenyan? <laughs> really? It definitely. Well, of course, you can't say effing in a trailer. Uh, About it. But that's you know what? That's the thing is the 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 uh, the that the f word sells that line. That's what makes it work. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, no, it's an action right there. Like that's the perfect line. Okay, we got to cut out the funny part. And- no, you got it. Yeah, you just got to PG it up for the trailer. Fair enough. And then, how, how can you not like the the line "shotgun"? No. Kelly, one. How can you not like uh, the the line about Florida being pretty much the worst place on earth? Uh, that one's okay. How can you not like the line about where where Yoda lives? That one's okay. Okay. It didn't look very. It wasn't jungly enough, though, and it could have turned into a pubic hair joke, which is a half twist of Lyman. And... I wish Kelly Wan had written Identity Thief. We all do. Well, we'll have to make do, Kelly Wan, with your 3 by 3 this week. What is it? Oh, bad idea, good execution, which I – wait, hang on. I thought all week I go, this is the worst idea for a topic ever. And then today, I nailed it. Nailed it. was bad idea, good execution, I think. It was a terrible idea for a topic. And it's also the most listener submissions a topic of mine's ever 
attained, which is five, five people out of seven. What do we get? Thirty people a week. Seven people. Five seven out of seven people a week. So five of them wrote in. Well, uh, I, I'm going first. I don't know what to do with this because this to me is just hey, movies that are good, even though I didn't really think they would necessarily be good. Yes. So that was your approach. Vague. What else are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so let me look at my list here and sort of figure out some semblance of order. Okay, here you go. My number three pick is uh, Charlie's Angels and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Who wants a remake of a weird 70s show, cop show that's dated? Uh, nobody wants that. But then I saw him and I was like, oh, I want that. Uh, so both, both of them are your pick? Both of them, yes. The Charlie's Angels movies because... Uh, they, for me, it's like some people, you know, they watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy and they think of them as one continuous long movie. They don't think of them as three separate movies. That's how I feel about Charlie's Angels and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. It's continuous. Tolkien feels that way about Charlie's Angels, too. (laughs) Christopher Tolkien, as well he should. Uh, So I, yeah, I, I, I love those movies. I, uh, give McGee a lot of credit for doing an awesome job i would be with you kelly Wan, as far as the ugh, with for many of his other movies but not the charlie's angels movies i remember um, not liking the first one but thinking the second one was good well maybe you need to revisit the first one because in the first one i thought they kind of gave a shit and then the second one they didn't give a shit no they care come on no they, they care no. I mean, the, the, the thing is the thing about here's here kelly wand is a crucial ingredient to making the charlie's angels thing work it's like we were talking about Zach Galifianakis. He is so big that he couldn't care less about movies that he's in, and it shows. You take Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. None of them is really – I mean, they're, they're fine. No, no, they're, they have do. successful careers. But I think they were grateful to be in that movie. It seemed like they were having a good time in both movies, uh, and that's that's key to making it work, I think. I meant McGee. I'm always talking about the guy behind the camera. <laughs> okay. Farmers are just cattle. Hitchcock That's right about that. Well, there's my number three pick is the Charlie's Angels movies. Uh, terrible idea. Great oh, oh, wait. Yes, Kelly uh, Wong? Uh, what didn't um, – what was the movie? Identity Thief contain uh, these aren't the droids you're looking for joke. Yep. Tell yeah. her these aren't the droids they're looking for. Yeah. What did you do when that happened? These aren't the droids you're looking for. Tell her that. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dingus, Dingus laughed really loud, and the woman to my right went, Damn. She doesn't know. She's obviously not a listener. <laughs> or doesn't know. Wait, what did you do when the Midnight Run thing line was said? In the Who? Movie? You. What's the Midnight Run thing? Oh, really? Come I don't. On. What's the Midnight Run thing? Dingus, what is it? I forgot. I don't even know what you're talking about. All right. Back to number three. <laughs> All right. So, Dingus, what is your number three pick for Bad Idea, Great Execution? All right. Here's a quote from it. Drop the the. Uh, Nothing I've seen. I don't wait, wait, that. wait. You're giving up too quick. Drop the the. The Star Wars. No. Uh, the Midnight. Okay, Tom, what is it? <laughs> Take it, back. it is Midnight Run or Rushmore. It is not. Here's the rest of the line. Drop the the. Just Facebook. It's cleaner. <sighs> Right. I can see you guys didn't enjoy this topic. Oh, I loved it. Um, so this is, of course, the social network. And uh, I thought that the idea of making a movie about Facebook was a terrible idea. Uh, I couldn't care less about uh, how Facebook came to be, even though I, I enjoy Facebook from time to time. Um, but I just thought 
And this, this feeling lingered, by the way, um, that as much as I liked Aaron Sorkin's work on the West Wing, I thought there was a lot of stakes in the West Wing, and I actually care about the White House and the, that sense of what this country is going to be and the shape of this country politically. And so I love that show, but it also had import for me. It was also sort of a comfort to me during the uh, Bush years. Uh, but, you know, sitting around for a couple of hours and watching how important it is for this social network to come to be, I couldn't have cared less about that. But I can recognize that the movie is executed very well, and I understand why it wound up on so many people's top ten lists. I still don't really, – I'm not really crazy about the social network, but I can recognize that it's very well executed in many ways. So there you go. Social network is my number three. Dingus, how do you feel about Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs? Um, I don't care. <laughs> All right. In fact, I didn't know that was happening. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a biopic. Who's directing that, Kelly Warren? Is that? I almost it's want Sorkin, to say it. it's like, it? is it a Sorkin thing? I think it might be a Sorkin thing. It's yeah. his thing now. Where Ashton Kutcher went on Excel, starring <laughs> Daniel Day a, Lewis. As, and there's going to be one on Linux. We'll get a Linux yeah. biopic. Yeah. <laughs> Angry Birds trilogy, Peter Jackson. <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wan, what do you have then for your number three pick for uh, Bad Idea, Great Execution? All right, I came up with things that we all think are good, that everyone thinks is good, and then tried to ma- think of how you'd pitch it if you wanted it to suck. Oh, like reverse engineering? Yeah, see? I like it. Yeah, good. All right, so you have to name the movie uh, uh, after I pitch it to you. And call it fun and pretend. So you're you're giving us the bad pitch, reverse engineered right. from the well, the good execution. Okay. It's not that hard, by the way. Spoiler alert. So <laughs> if you're like tense and sweating right now, you may want to relax. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, an aging archaeologist who always loses to his French rival and can't sword fight gets tied up with his girlfriend. But luckily, his rival's killed by a deus ex machina that's then lost thanks to bureaucracy. Not Kelly Wan? Yeah, not at the museum. Perfect. It's ingenious, Kelly Wan. Let's green light that. See? <laughs> Let's put that... See, if I pitch that... Never mind. See, Do you but know any just... archaeologists? Do you know any of them? They're boring. Dingus, I'm... I hope you were quoting something. Otherwise, angry archaeologists write to dingus at quarter2three.com. <laughs> Drop the the and just call it archaeologist. <laughs> uh, but Kelly Wan Raiders of the Lost Ark is not a bad idea, though. I mean, that kind of 30s pulp serial stuff. No, I cherry-picked. And it could have... But look how that's what the story is. Like, someone had to come... They had to tell Kazdan that. Like, okay, this is what... You, you need to make this awesome with rocks and shit. <laughs> Which, I think that was Lucas, by the way, verbatim. <laughs> All right, good. how he pitched uh, Return of the Jedi to David Lynch too. So, did you ever read that thing where David Lynch talks about that and like they he about what he would have done with a Star Wars movie? No, just how lame it was eating salad with George Lucas at some salad place. Like, all, oh no, that's awesome salad. though. Yeah, it's really good. I don't know what it is. You're welcome. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Um, that's my number three. All right, good. Your number three. My number two for bad idea, great execution. Uh, a, a remake of a not very good vampire movie with Colin Farrell playing the vampire. Terrible idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who would want to see that? Uh, but lo and behold, in the Fright Night remake, 
man, Colin Farrell is awesome. Like, uh, I didn't see this. You made me really want to see it. I'm bummed I stole it. It's not great. It's okay. But, uh, you know, Colin Farrell is just so good, and he sells it. Uh, you know, Anton Yelchin is fine. But, um, yeah, yeah, I really liked it, actually. Yeah. Who's so, the, yeah. Uh, the Weasley guy? from The, the Weasley guy? Oh, it's uh, Christopher Mintz Platt. Plus. Yeah. yeah. Who actually is disappointing. He's pretty disappointing just because of how memorable that part was in the original movie. That that sort of Christian Slater-esque looking actor who played uh, the character in the original movie. I, re- I remember that guy very vividly. Uh, more than I remember uh, uh, Chris Sarandon or... Uh, William Ragsdale, like that's the guy that stands out that I remember from Fright Night. Um, so, yeah. uh, and Dingus was—I want to say Elizabeth Shue. That's not right. Who was the mother, Dingus, in the Fright Night remake? Oh, geez, I have no idea. I forget. No, it's not. It's, it's somebody older than Elizabeth Shue. By the way, uh, terrible idea. Ter- no, no, great idea. Terrible execution. Can can we do a quick segue for this because it's related to Fright Night? Um, there's a horror movie called. Um, Oh, rats. The house at the end of the street, or the house on the left, or it's something. Last house on the left. No, it's not that dingus, but it's clearly a nod towards that title. I think it might be House at the End of the Street. Um, The casting is so freaking inspired. The movie is awful, but it's Elizabeth Shue as the mother and Jennifer Lawrence as the daughter. They look Uh. so awesome together. And just seeing scenes of them together, it's just like this delicious buffet of awesome casting. Um, But the movie is terrible. Um, It's it's Tony. Oh, Tony Collette. Yes, thank you, Dingus. Oh. Tony Collette, who is yeah, awesome. Very good, Dingus. Did you just remember remember that, or did you look it up? Uh, uh huh. Okay, that's an answer. I, I can I can deduce from that what you did. All right. Uh, so yeah, so there you go. That's my uh, bad idea. Great execution is uh, Marcy from Married with Children was the girlfriend in the first Friday Night. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't because who's Marcy in Married with Children? Never mind. No, I don't. I don't watch TV, Kelly Wan. I, I don't watch sports. I only read Proust. <laughs> uh, all right, Dingus, what is your number two pick for a bad idea, great execution? The opposite of sports is Proust. That's not like that stuff, does it? I don't know. All right, here we go. Here's a quote from my number two pick. Because I'm tired of this shitty job. I have no rights whatsoever. I get no night bonus, no overtime, no nuisance compensation. Taxi driver. Maybe it's time for a change in troll management. Oh, Wait, that's Why is that a terrible idea? It's not a terrible idea. It's an awesome idea anyway from the get-go. What's up with that, Dingus? Here's a premise. A found footage movie about a bunch of students who follow around a professional troll hunter in Norway. The, the, um, the idea is so bad, when you wanted me to watch it, you wouldn't even let me look at the title of the movie no, before only watching. because it's a great reveal. The way that it doesn't – the way that it gradually lets you know what it is. I love about that movie. And Kelly Wan, you're with me on this. I take it. Yeah. That's, a, that's an awesome premise, right? Dingus is, Dingus is high. And whether or not I'm high is immaterial, but the idea of watching a movie about trolls, uh, it sounds like a horrible idea, because trolls... Okay, but all found footage movies sound dumb. They all have the same... First of all, Dingus, okay, yeah, before you're going to be down on trolls, let me just remind you, the cave (laughs) troll in Lord of the Rings, the troll in Snow White in the... the, the, Well, what was the Snow White thing? The Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman, and the troll in Hansel and Gretel. Trolls are awesome. A whole movie about trolls is awesomer. Uh, Kelly Wand and I are voting your pick off of the island. Oh, cat's eye. <laughs> it's your very war. Solar breath. 
Mm. Yeah, how's it feel to be islandless? Oh, it feels That's wonderful. Okay, good. And our work here is done, Tom. Finally. But you really you you so okay so Dingus go, I, we cut you off so so you think it's a bad premise of course you you did like the movie though right oh I loved it it wound up on my top ten list for 2010 movies mm-hmm. I was crazy about it but if I were to say to the average uh, person you know one of my top ten movies of 2010 was a movie called Troll Hunter they would say what what's that about well it's a it's about a bunch of students who follow around a guy in Norway who hunts trolls. I don't think the average person would think that's a good idea for That sounds good to me, though. And it's even it's, better than... You're not the average person, Kelly Moore. And the thing is, Dingus, you, you, thought that, you thought Raiders of the Lost Ark was a bad idea. <laughs> and that's a terrible way to express it, too, Dingus, because I think Troll Hunter is about the Norwegian national character. That's, what <laughs> I would, that's how I would that's describe it. That's a great idea for a movie. Okay, we're taking this meeting with you. Uh, tell us what your idea is, Tom. Uh, the Norwegian national character, but with CG. Check, please. Raiders of the Lost Ark's a bad title, too. Oh, Kelly Wan, no. First of all, we moved on past that. And second of all, no, it's an awesome title. Come on. Seriously? It's not lost. It goes perfectly with the song. Did you just say, did you, so it's not lost in the same way that there's no baby in the last scene of Identity Thief. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they find it. And they don't raid it. Who's the raid? They do. The Nazis raid it. The Nazis raid the heck out of that arc. Oh, so the the Nazis are the the title characters of the first Data Jones movie? Nazis. I think so. Yeah, Nazis. Nobody's going to go see a movie called Nazis. Uh, So they call it Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's a good point. Are the Nazis the eponymous Raiders? I don't know the They are, and Indiana Jones is. They all raid it. Where's the Arms Raiders? By putting it in the box, and then he finds at the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it gets raided again. Kelly One, would you have been happier if it had been called Plunderers of the Lost Ark? Yes. (laughs) Wait. Check these. (laughs) Finders. Finders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Exhumers of the Lost Ark. How do you feel about that? Exhumers of the Lost Ark. Kelly One, does that work for you? Lose the the and just make it Raiders of Lost Ark. Kelly One, I have a question for you. Lost Ark was exhumed. Kelly One, what is your number two pick for Bad Idea, Great Execution? That's my question I now put to you. All right, this is a tough one. Okay, you're reverse engineering, a great execution. Let's hear it phrased as a bad idea. Yes. A chick staying in a motel is killed for no reason, and at the end, a doctor tells you the reason. The backup (laughs) villain is an old lady's skeleton. (laughs) You know, okay, what I love about this I win. (laughs) <laughs> any, no, no. The, even, I mean, that was fine, Kelly Wan, but I'm just enjoying any excuse to get you to do something like a synopsis for any movie I'm totally down with. So definitely. I, I went, all right, that's an Yeah, I know. It actually, because I was, never mind. No, it's like a one-line synopsis of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Psycho that we've got so far. I can anything. I consider these both a gift, Kelly Wan. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so is that the Vince Vaughn one? What? <laughs> Ah, see? Tingus wins. He's the true money. <laughs> All right, so let's see. We are now down to, uh, is it my number one pick? I, I think I've lost track. Yes. Yeah, okay, so my number one pick. Here you go. Um, Tingus has tried, tried to tell me earlier this was not a, a real movie because it was on HBO, but I think HBO is not TV. It doesn't count. A made-for-HBO movie. And Dingus, by the way, you have done this. What was that thing where Jim Broadbent played the, the guy in the parliament in England who was uh, advocating on behalf of the two, the murderous couple? Longford. Langford. Longford, right, right. That also, they, they make these as movies, and they don't really 
the distribution deal just happens to be with HBO instead of an independent film company or a smaller film company or one of the art house divisions of the bigger companies. So just because HBO picks them up doesn't make them any less movies. So that's my uh, defense of picking a movie that was it's labeled a TV movie because it was broadcast on HBO. And the movie is uh, Game Change, which is based on a story about Sarah Palin being chosen as, as the vice presidential nominee uh, for, for uh, McCain. Now, I love Sarah Palin on a strictly physical sort of morbid yes. fascination level. I think Perfect. she's incredibly hot. Uh, I've made jokes about this before. But as a politician, I think she's absolutely reprehensible as – as a political commentator, I think she's inept. Uh, I, I think she's an idiot. I think she has no place in the public realm. But I'm happy to point out at every opportunity that, good Lord, she's hot. Um, so if somebody wants to make an actual drama about her ordeal, about that period in her life, that's a terrible idea. I just want to look at her and objectify her as this, this hot chick from, uh, from Wasilla. So who? why would I want to see a movie – about this, about her, for, told from her perspective, a movie that basically humanizes her, Sarah Palin, and that's what Game Change does. Because Game Change, I would love to see, for instance, a black comedy about Sarah Palin. That's not what this is. Game Change is, it shows her insecurity and her confusion. Like, it really does sort of get you inside of her head. And Julianne Moore is amazing. Like, her performance is really uh, something special. And I think she won an Emmy for that, maybe? Um, but but the, the portrait of Sarah Palin in Game Change is a woman who gets sucked up into something that she's just not ready for. And as she gets increasingly nasty over the course of, of what's happening to her, Ironically, she also gets increasingly sympathetic, uh, and you can see more and more of that insecurity and confusion. So I just find Game Change fascinating. I love that movie. Um, the fact that it does offer a different perspective on Sarah Palin that I wouldn't care to have because I don't think of her as a, as a person or a personality. I think of her as a political figure, which is sort of what she is to most of America. Um, a stroking object. Uh, I'm not going to go there, Kelly Wand, but I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> she won a Golden Globe, by the way. Golden Globe, yes. Okay, thank you. She's thank not you. a political figure. She owns. She's on a Facebook site. That's not Sarah Palin. Yeah, isn't she like a Fox commentator now? Not anymore. They fired her. They fired oh, they did. Why? Oh, poor Sarah. What happened? She doesn't do her homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, what is she doing then? Uh, just hanging around Wasilla, trying to peddle some show about Alaska, probably. I'm sure they have plenty of money. I mean, she gets huge speaking fees, and uh, Todd has a snowmobile, so they're fine. I, well, she is. Uh, isn't she pretty much in league with? Like, she's a she's a firmly ensconced Tea Partier, isn't she? Like, that's she's a big figurehead for them, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, yeah. she's a fountainhead for them. Mm, no. <laughs> I, did you see the? There was that one episode of a Alaska show that I saw with Kate Gosselin, and Kate Gosselin was so horrible. It made like Sarah Palin was kind of cool. Like first, like that's the first time I ever liked her. Like, I've heard like, of this. I don't really know who Kate Gosselin is, but I have heard about this Kelly Wand. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, though, is the thing about Game Change. It's not really. It's a dramatization of. You know, here's our theory about Sarah Palin's character. Here's just like Richard III, for instance, is not about the real Richard III. It's Shakespeare's perspective on Richard III. It's the same thing with Game Change in a way is 
I, I don't know if that's the real Sarah Palin. Here's a perspective of, of here's an opinion on what it could have been like for Sarah Palin. Like, what if she was like this character? Um, I have no idea whether or not it's realistic, and in a way, I don't care. Uh, it, it's a great drama. So, am I the only one who's seen Game Change? By the way, I only see movies that play in theaters that make it on three by threes. I don't have. Uh, I didn't see it. I would. I would watch it. I don't know. Biopics are kind of. I don't know. It's not a biopic, by the way, because it's not about like her rise. It, it's no more a biopic than say. Uh, Waiting that, for that, no that Lincoln thing, which is um, oh. Oh, Lincoln. I That's think a biopic, isn't it? Well, it's a biopic, but it's a very fo- it's it's a it's a very specific slice in Lincoln's life, and that was one of the things that I think we all enjoyed about Lincoln is that it wasn't a conventional biopic; it was a, a legislative procedural. And boy, that talk about bad idea, man. That. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think I've now killed anyone's desire. That's that's definitely not something you want to put on the poster for Lincoln. A, a legis- Lincoln colon a legislative procedural. Uh, <laughs> Who plays uh, John McCain? I forget. Ed Harris, and he's great oh, in it okay. because again, he's not doing a McCain impression. He's just playing this this the the, the movie's opinion on Ed Har- on on John McCain, and Ed Harris's performance is at that point John McCain is just so desperate to try something, and he's so resigned. To having to put up with her, uh, it's a, it, he's really charming in it as well. I thought uh, he picked her. I was I never I didn't understand that. Well, but he definitely had her just upon him, didn't he? I mean, he. Uh, so the movie is the the movie is mainly about Woody Harrelson and oh, I love the actor Sarah Paulson. I think is her name as as two of McCain's main campaign coordinators, and they're the ones that are responsible for ultimately helping him settle on Sarah Palin and seeing her through the process. So the movie is presumably they're the main characters, kind of. So that's so another like, reason that it's not a biopic. They're uh, like Chris Darden and Marsha, what's her name? Uh, Marsha, from Marsha Brady? No, the OJ <laughs> prosecutors. Oh, I see what you're doing, Kelly Wand. Yes, it's the, exactly, it's that kind of thing. Failed ones. Right. We can um, make vice president, Sure. Uh, so that's another reason that it's not a biopic, because it's not just about her life. Um, yeah, Game Change is great. I, I really liked Game Change a lot. And I was like you. Like, I didn't care to – I didn't really want to see it. Uh, I just – you know, I like Julianne Moore a lot. Um, and I, you know, because I have this weird thing for Sarah Palin, I thought, well, I should probably see this. Uh, Most yeah. of those HBO ones, they just churn out I don't really like. Like, I didn't like the the one about the Gore-Bush election. Yeah, I'm with you there, Kelly Wan. That was another reason, too, that my expectations were a little low for, for a game change. And the one about, I mean, that one was kind of interesting, but I, that one didn't really work for me as well. The one about the Wall Street thing where William Hurt was one of those fucking guys. I didn't like one that one. Those what was the name of that? I'll, I'll go, I, I didn't think that one was too bad, and I would hardly ter- I term what HBO does with their movies as churning out. I also don't know that many of these are actually made. I think HBO buys them after the fact, if I'm not mistaken. You know what? Never mind. Let me retract that because I'm not sure. Recount. Is it called Recount? Recount. I was going to guess that, Dingus, yeah. Kevin Spacey. And Laura Dern's, uh, what's her name, Harris? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that. you know what? That makes me like Recount more is remembering her as that dragon lady. Oh, that's right. It's Catherine Harris. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Marsha Clark, by the way. It just popped into my head. It's Chris Darden and Marsha Clark. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so there's my number one is uh, Game Change. So, Dingus, we're over to you. Give us a line from your number one pick for Bad Idea, Great Execution. All right, Tom, here's my here's my line from my number one. Mm-hmm. What time is it? <laughs> That's not a bad – well, you know what, Kelly Wand, when Kelly Wand just now mentioned the William Hurt thing, that 
I can understand why you might think that's a bad idea. Uh, so do you want me to give you the, the response to that? Yeah. Okay, so give me the cue again, Dingus. What time is it? Two o'clock. Fuck me. Fuck me. Does he ask again what time is it now? Or No, that's I'm, a few uh, lines later. Yeah, yeah it's a while later. So Kelly Wan hasn't seen this. Uh, and you know what? I guess I'm with you, Dingus. If someone were to pitch this to me, I would think, oh, kill me now. I'm not going to sit through 90 minutes of that. Yeah, and the only reason I did is because you, uh, you went to see it, I think, after walking out of Crazy Stupid Love. And the movie is uh, Margin Call. Uh, directed by J.C. Chander, and it's from uh, 2011. And so here's the premise. Come on, why are you going, uh, yeah, listen to Dingus explain the premise. No, I'm just bummed I haven't seen it yet. I keep meaning to. So. Well, listen yeah, to my premise. This will tell you. Will tell you. Yeah. Let's make a thriller about the early stages of the financial crisis that starts with an unannounced mass layoff action on the trading floor at the start of a normal business day and involves a bunch of actors staring at numbers on a computer screen throughout. <laughs> you think? Are you with me? Uh, it sounds kind of good. <laughs> it's excellent. It's so good. It's such a great thriller. Um, partly because the cast is so great, but also because it's just tightly directed and incredibly well written. And, and it's another one that wound up on my top ten list because of that. I mean, it's just fantastic. But the idea of sitting through a movie that that lays down the beginning of the financial crisis would totally turn me off. And it's one of those movies, what's brilliant about it is you don't – the characters don't have to explain to you what they're talking about. You just know that they know what they're talking about, yeah. and you sort of feed off of the urgency and the stakes that they sell you. It's not about uh, – it's, it's an exposition-free movie, which I love. Um, you guys made it sound like In the Loop kind of, but maybe not as funny. Um, it's yeah, it's not a black comedy. It's definitely it is like Dingus said. I mean, it's a thriller. It's a straight up thriller, and it takes it very seriously. Uh, and there's nothing funny about. I mean, they're not, it's not playing it for jokes. It's not playing up the absurdity of it. It's very serious about what's happening and, and the implications of it and how the people involved feel about it. Um, but as far as being a, a, a smart story about a significant uh, social or political event, it's definitely up there within the loop. Yeah. All right, so uh, Dingus, good pick for your number one. Kelly Wand, why don't you reverse engineer for us a great movie and give us a crappy pitch for it? <laughs> a dude gets rich by owning printing presses, marries a chick who can't sing, then dies thinking about a piece of wood no one gives a shit about. <laughs> you know what? That's how I feel about Citizen Kane, by the way. I'm like, whatever. Yep. So, so you, you think that's a like good it. execution? <laughs> huh? You think it was a good execution then? Oh. Um. Win. <laughs> uh, I think I think I would if you were to go look up uh, Citizen Kane on Metacritic, I'm guessing it'd be at least in the 90s. Or in Rotten Tomatoes. Actually, what is what is Medic, what does Rotten Tomatoes have to say about Citizen Kane? I wonder. Uh, mm. I might be the. I, you know what? I haven't seen it forever. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say. But I. Can't. But you like Casablanca, and it's the same movie. No, it's not. What's the matter no, with it's you? Black and white. It's about uh, the war. What? <laughs> yeah, Ding has uh, set him straight. That's so nice. Kelly Wand, you're crazy. It's got. Uh, heard, uh, it's got a big fireplace. That part. Does it have? Um, does it have Humphrey Bogart? <sighs> does it have Ingrid Bergman? He have Claude Rains. Furniture. He throws his furniture around. Kelly Wand, are there are there Nazis invading Paris in Citizen Kane? Nazis don't invade Paris on screen in that movie. It's not even called Paris. Uh, actually, they do. There's a flashback to Paris. It totally is. 
what Time Magazine calls okay, Citizen Kane, a work of art created by grown people for grown people. Oh, there you go. I'm I'm out. <laughs> check check please. <laughs> uh, all right, runners up. Any runners up for uh, bad ideas? Great execution. Here's an idea. Let's make a movie out of a um, New Yorker article about a person who raises flowers. No, but see, that's you know, Diggs. I almost thought of that, but I think of that as adaptation is almost purely, regardless of what source material he's working from, it's purely a Charlie Kaufman movie. You know, whatever Charlie Kaufman wants to do, yeah, let him run. Uh, I, I mean, but I'm with you. I, I agree with you. Like, oh god, that 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 or yeah, an adaptation of Orchid Thief. Ugh. <laughs> well, they thought of him for it too. I was I found that interesting. Like, Who oh, thought of him perfect. for it. Whoever. Uh, gave him that gig. Went. This will be a good fit for him. Oh, based right. on being. Uh, well, let, you know, actually, before we do runners up, why don't we see what uh, submissions? Oh yeah. Are? Oh, good point. Good point. So Kelly Wan, what what do we have from listeners for Basics. bad idea, great execution? Go ahead. Bad idea. Well, so they all. Uh, <laughs> you'll enjoy knowing that they all wrote the topic differently, or like this guy Nathan Schuber considered the topic bad ideas, good executions. Mm-hmm. Good topic, Kelly. Even Tom should have trouble breaking this one. <laughs> See, uh, number three, four, and five: Lord of the Rings trilogy, a three hundred million dollar fantasy epic based on books largely considered unfilmable, helmed by a director whose only big budget Hollywood movie had been the mediocre Michael J. Fox horror comedy The Frighteners. This sounds like a recipe for a Michael Cimino-esque disaster, but instead resulted in three movies so filled with spectacle, memorable characters, and genuine motion that it's easy to forgive the occasional problems with tone and pacing. Number two, Brick. Oh, did you want to comment on Lord of the Rings, Tom? I always want to comment on Lord of the Rings. Brick, it's like insert popular book movie or genre here, but set in a high school is a perfect way to describe something you can never want me to see it. Add to that a first-time director and actor best known for his work on a TV sitcom. I don't know why I saw it, but it's become one of my favorite movies ever. Good call. I love Aliens. that pick. Aliens. This movie should not be good. Alien was a tense, claustrophobic haunted house movie, so a sequel that's bigger, faster, louder, and adds more of everything shouldn't work, but it does beautifully. I think this is James Cameron at his best. Dingus, what do you think of that? Is Avatar better than Aliens? <laughs> um, yes, because it's got one extra dimension. <laughs> what? It's in 3D. Oh, oh, oh. Aliens is only 2D, yeah. Yeah, come on. Uh, Did you see the Jurassic Park 3D thing? The trailer, yeah, yeah, that's, I can't wait. But it's not in 3D, the trailer, which is weird, isn't it? Uh, I think if you see it in a 3D movie, the trailer's probably in 3D. (laughs) Oh, honey, more is not more. (laughs) Take it. That was premature and post-mature. Bad idea, good execution, Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Here are my picks of three movies with bad idea, which I read as movie premise. See? I don't know what C means. See? <laughs> I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is note that my work is open to wide interpretation instead of that stupid, vague Kelly Wand. Who say, who is that? What yeah, Paul wrote? I, <laughs> I need you to do air quotes when you're talking about yourself or something. I think this is a topic where your mileage may vary. Are going to be the watchwords. Number three, my dinner with Andre. Tom, 
describe this movie to someone. Two guys have a conversation in a restaurant, and it sounds absolutely awful as a movie idea. Especially when you consider one of them is Gerard Depardieu. <sighs> Dingus, you take that shit from him. Gerard Depardieu, don't. Two, Night of the Lepus. Wait, that's a good movie? Yes. Yeah, what, I, I, what, how does it fit the good execution? It's the first one where I, yeah, I, I, I'm startled because it, I, never mind. Yes, the movie mentioned by a fellow listener recently, Giant Killer Rabbit, so bad it's good. See? Ah, okay, well, that widens the field considerably. <laughs> so bad it's good is a very narrow window, I consider. That's not Paul Weimer speaking. I'm surprised Armageddon didn't make it on the list. Well, that's a great idea, great execution. I don't know, yeah. Uh, you know. I wanted to op- to uh, one sentence it, but then I would be admitting that it's a great move, great execution, and then I couldn't bear Tom's tone for the next imaginary year of our lives. <laughs> I did that. Number one, Casino Royale, 1967. Tons of James Bonds running around. Woody Allen is a villain, yet it still manages to entertain. I kind of like that movie, too, even though it's kind of a mess. It kind of makes me feel nostalgic for messes. Those movies. Mm-hmm. Whatever Good. want. Okay. okay. Uh, T.S. Uh, Tyler, three, three by three, bad ideas done well. <laughs> Thunder cheap. Hi, my name is Tyler. I've been listening for a few weeks now. I really enjoy the show and the passion you guys have for film. Hmm. Especially always, Dingus. Right. right. He's the passionate one. Okay, and you and I are too cool to be passionate, but when Dingus like gets angry or gets on a rant, he's the exactly yeah, he's the passionate. He hates movies and he gets super upset and and he cry like he's happiest with the happy. And you're just cerebral and I'm an idiot. I don't always agree with the three of you, but that's why I think I like listening. This is my first three by three, and I listed a few runners ups runner ups. If I mangle what they write, will they get mad at me? He writes, JK. For fun and to show why the ideas sound so bad, I've included my picks and then pasted their synopsis from IMDB. Top three, speed. A young cop must prevent a bomb exploding aboard a bus by keeping its speed above 50 miles an hour. By the way, so is this Tyler doing this, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Is that is his name Tyler? Tyler, I love this because I love nothing more than after seeing a movie or just going through IMDb. The IMDb synopses are so completely – it's like reductionist idiocy. Yeah. <laughs> the kind of stuff that you get in those IMDb synopses is brilliant. So I love that Tyler's doing this. It's like so the opposite of the Rotten Tomatoes blurbs. It's oh. like, here's what happens. <laughs> Right. All right, so go ahead, Kelly Wand. I love these. Devoid of context. The Breakfast Club, five high school students, all different stereotypes. You know what? He he just outdid my take on it. Like he did IMDB really is like this is what would be pitched if it was done by an IMDB fucktard. Five high school students, all different stereotypes, meet in detention where they pour their hearts out to each other. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Tom. It is redacted. And discover how they have a lot more in common than they thought. <laughs> Punch drunk love. Are you scared? A psychologically troubled novelty supplier is nudged <laughs> into a romance with an English woman. 
<laughs> he's nudged. Nudged into it by aliens, according to Tom. All the while being extorted by a phone sex line run by a crooked mattress salesman. <laughs> and purchasing stunning amounts of pudding. Uh, I can disagree with none of that. Yeah. Please, please, let's hear that one more time, Kelly. One, that's brilliant. So, Punch Drunk Love, let's hear it. I pwn me. Punch Drunk Love, a psychologically troubled novelty supplier, is nudged into a romance with an English woman, all the while being extorted by a phone sex line run by a crooked mattress salesman and purchasing stunning amounts of pudding. That's pretty amazing writing. <sighs> Tyler, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, is this the, thing, is it like Wikipedia that anybody could do it? He could very well have written these. Yeah, that's pretty good. I want to now. It just makes me want to troll IMDb. I want to see the Troll Hunter IMDb opsis and feel jealous. Runner-up being John Malkovich. A puppeteer discovers a portal that leads literally into the head of the movie star John Malkovich. That's what I was doing all week, is finding, like, dumb uses of literally. Like, I'm literally cold. Uh, yeah, dumb uses of literally are myriad. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally a pivotal character. Dingus, yeah. that works. That works. So, Kelly Wand, I tried to say about Bruce uh, Willis that he was literally a pivotal character in Moonrise Kingdom. Because he, well, it's a minor spoiler, okay. but... He catches kids and keeps them from falling. Like, he oh, yeah, keeps yeah. them from plummeting to their death. He's the point where they are saved. It's the fulcrum. He's exactly. Thank fulcrum. you, Kelly Wan. So, Dingus, it's there. That's not, that's not what the word pivoting means. It's it's a loosely interpreted, but it works in a literal, it, rather than just a it's narrative sense. It's not a noun, or is it? If you had said he was the nudging character, I would have believed you. <laughs> that's beautiful. All right, so uh, was that was that all of Tyler's email? Nope. Oh, oh, yeah. More. Good. Okay. Well done, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler uh, Schwanke. Then that was the end of it. Three by three, bad idea, great execution, Jeff Sweet. Hey there, guys. My submission for this week's... (laughs) I'm excited to hear Tom's face. Hey there, guys. My submission for this week is the curious case of Benjamin Button. Now, that's Dingus's face. Now, this is Dingus. Let's hear Dingus's face as Jeff explains why that's a great execution. Great execution. It's a perfect. See, never mind. I said see again. It's the last time. It's a perfect example of a film with immaculate direction and production, beautiful to look at and well acted. But the story is just wretched, huh, Dingus? I think other than David Fincher had directed it, it would have been an unmitigated disaster, but he managed to turn it into something worth watching. So it's just a mitigated disaster? (laughs) He mitigated it. It just sink. Jeez, I hate that movie so much. What? I hate that movie. Tom, I thought you told me you liked it. Oh, he loves that movie. He watches it once a year at Christmas with his family. It's a total event for Dingus. He... He owns a copy of it that he keeps. He doesn't even keep it. Like most of his movies are in alphabetical order, he keeps. He has a. It's standing alone on a shelf on a little display case. His copy of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And I have a digital copy and a thumb drive. I keep it around my neck. <laughs> um. So Dingus hates it, and I, I do as well. I, I don't think anybody on this podcast is very fond of that movie. I didn't see it because I saw the preview and went. Uh... Kelly, one, you made the right choice. Wait, but, uh, but Jeff, you know. Her... I, 
I can understand why Jeff might appreciate it. So fair enough. Well, he said it was un- he said it was mitigated, which is kind of what I meant by great execution, or good, or whatever I said. It doesn't matter what I said. That's my point. Bad idea, good execution. William Flashbart. This topic was tough for us for two reasons. What? Us. us? Uh, William is a, he's married to a, a cool chick named Aaron who's helped me with some oh, right, web design right. stuff. So, uh, Will and Aaron, very happy to hear from them. I presume that's who he's, he's speaking. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. He knew you knew that, but he didn't, he just assumed you would fill me into this in. First, many bad idea films or comedies where the fact that it's a bad idea is part of the humor of the film. Say Tootsie or Dodgeball. Secondly, there are films that are so great, you forget that the underlying idea might not have seemed so great when pitched to you before you see the movie, like The Terminator. Mm-hmm. It seems like a great idea, and we loved it, but it might have been a bad idea if we got pitched it without having seen it. That said, here you go, my left foot. Really, this needs no explanation. I'm still at the bad idea phase of that thing, because I've never seen that movie. So That's how I am with Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. Jaws. <gasps> what the? Don't even you read the rest of his email. Ding, uh, Kelly, want to delete his email? Just delete the email. Wipe it out. Market as spam. Jaws. Yeah, mark market as spam. Uh, report abuse. Click the report abuse button on his, on the email. Why is Jaws a bad idea? I can't wait to hear this. All right, go ahead, Kelly. Want? Oh, yeah, I don't think he says, but he <laughs> writes idea. Shark attacks town. It just attacks the swimmers, though. Technically, the buildings are fine. It's motley crew consisting of sheriff, scientist, and grizzled boatman confront it. Really, this is supposed to be good, and then you get Jaws. But see, the book was a bestseller, so everyone thought it was a good idea even before they saw it. The book was a bestseller, and it's classic, you know, man versus nature, man versus himself, man versus man. It's got a little of everything. Uh, it plays on primal fear. Uh, I don't. There's no bad idea whatsoever in Jaws. Did it well, have that cover in the first edition of the book? Do it. Did it have that cover that we talked about as an awesome movie? Post? No, no. As I mentioned, the Peter Benchley book had. Uh, so we did talk about our. Uh, we had a three by three on great movie posters, and what I used to introduce it was the Jaws movie poster, which is classic and was taken from the book cover, but sexied up and made to look more violent and uh, lurid and colorful. Uh, the book was just almost like a, a black field with like line drawings on it of a of a fairly. A small shark with a, a fairly uh, a big distance to cover to get to the swimmer. Um, huh. So yeah, originally no, the book did not have that great movie poster. So the guy but, who drew that covers an idiot. He's just <laughs> he's just more he's more muted. We'll say he didn't get it. He's all yeah, shark, whatever. Yeah. When a gigantic great white shark begins to menace the small island community of Amity. A police chief, a marine scientist, and grizzled fisherman set out to stop it. Grizzled fisherman. See, his sidekick is grizzled. That little quiet guy who has no lines, I think of him as grizzled. Quint is more... I don't know that I'd say grizzled. Taciturn? Uh, that's not how you say that word, but yeah, he's more of that. Tacitly uh, <laughs> taciturn. It's a paradigm. He's manly. He's eating uh, water chestnuts. I thought those were saltines. I know. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but they're All right, so anyway, so Will thinks, bad idea. I can't go with you on that, Will. But what, what else does he have for us? Pirates of the Caribbean, which I agree with him on, although I don't like that movie. But <laughs> Let's make a movie from an amusement park ride. So you remember when they made Haunted House right after that, or Haunted Mansion? Like they went, Oh, okay, every ride we have will be 
That's not him writing. That's right. We never got our Tomorrowland, like, amazing shrinking dude. Space Mountain movie. Space Mountain, right, exactly. The Log Ride movie. Log Ride. Yeah. And then you get Peacock. a pretty damn good adventure movie. This is number one by dint of the gap between idea and execution being so jaw-droppingly wide. Well, the thing about the execution of that is if you are like a Disney shareholder, boy, that's a great idea. Well, I guess great execution. Yeah, I, I don't care for the movie, but uh, for a Disney shareholder, awesome execution. Yeah. And they almost fired debt, right? And it came out the same weekend as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I thought was going to be the good movie. <laughs> uh-huh. We make no excuses for the sequels, like the later Paranormal Activity films. They don't exist. All the best, Will and Aaron from Chicago. Awesome. That's all we have. All right, so runners-up, gentlemen, bad ideas, great execution. The only one I came up with, because I hated this topic, was uh, <laughs> Casey Affleck as the anti-hero from a grim Jim Thompson pulp novel. So Killer Inside Me, I was like, because I used to hate Casey Affleck. Um, but, man, that works for me. But as an idea, yeah. You, you never hated Casey Affleck. I did. Oh, no, I went through a period. Before Assassination of Jesse James. That was I a long time ago. But no, he. I saw him in some movie at Sundance called something like Lonesome Jim, where he plays a schlub who hooks up with Liv Tyler. It was completely unconvincing, and he was awful in it. Uh, maybe I should see that again. Maybe I would love it. And, of course, he was always the guy who's like in the Ocean's Eleven movies, where you're like, why is he one of them? What's he doing there? Um so, no, I used to hate Casey Affleck. He's in the Ocean's Eleven movies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> in the first one? Or after they added a couple dudes? Did they add dudes? I thought I thought they'd like been a consistent crew all along. They had to, because it, they increasingly became more. Ocean's oh, 12. right, Ocean's Twelve. Those weren't the years they were made. Good point. I thought that just meant Julia Roberts had joined the, the crew or something. I'm pretty sure Casey Affleck was in those all along, and it... Never was clear what what's that guy doing. I understand all these other people are famous. Who's that dude? Why is Ben Affleck's brother? If uh, Matt Damon was the card sharpie, well, he was. He, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he was paired with someone else. He was someone else's sidekick, basically. I feel dumb. We're talking about this. Yeah, let's move on. So, uh, okay, so runners up for uh, bad idea, great execution. Dingus, I think you have a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about a musical? About a jewel thief, yeah, played by Bruce Willis with his partner Danny Aiello. Whatever. <laughs> I'm with Dingus. Dingus, the topic is not bad idea, bad execution. You're right. That's uh. why. I, that's why I, uh, I chose this one. I support you, Dingus. Thank you so much. Tom just has a heart of stone. Oh look, Hudson Hawk on Rotten Tomatoes, twelve percent. No accounting for taste. Actually, I made that up. So. <laughs> 12. Also, I would choose a Resident Evil Afterlife in 3D. Ugh. I hate you. You know what? Forget everything I just said about it. <laughs> no, Dingus, forget. I'm with you now, Dingus. Forget that Kelly Wan guy. You and me. I, I like that pick. Come on, Kelly Wan. She shoots quarters out of her shotgun. Out of her what shotgun. In the Resident Evil thing, she's shooting quarters. Or are they pennies? Whatever. Quarters or quarters. She's, yeah. She's shooting quarters out of a shotgun. Isn't that awesome? And she wears like a little Amelia Earhart costume and flies around with another chick, like a chick sidekick. Come on. Why does she shoot quarters? Because um, they're easier to find than bullets in the apocalypse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been good press if Lincoln had the, the ticket price would have been just a penny. If it's, if it's a chick 
It was the chick sidekick. Can't you just say a side chick? Yeah, very good, Dingus. I like that. Tom doesn't think of that word very often. It's unisex. Ah. <laughs> uh, that didn't ever pay off either. Ever buy it. Kelly Wan, I, I predict, Kelly Wan, in the coming weeks, you're going to be hearing several lines from Identity Thief from me and Dingus. I just want to warn you. Mm. All right. Uh, Dingus, other runners-up for Bad Idea, Great Execution. I think that, that'll that'll do it. That'll do, Pig. Kelly Wan, any, uh, any uh, runners-up for Bad Idea, Great Execution? Uh, World War Z, if it's good, but it probably won't be. And uh, Showgirls right. was kind of good. It's funny. Uh, well, yeah, if you want to subscribe to the It's So Bad, It's Good uh, school. Eraserhead. <laughs> Kelly Wan, just name movies. Go. Say what you see. <laughs> Apollo 18, Capricorn 1. Capricorn 1? Come on, no, that's, that's an awesome idea. idea. The, 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 right. the moon landing. Oh, wait, it's yeah. not even the moon landing. It's the Mars. Mars. Yeah, the Mars landing is fake. Right. I love that idea. What's the matter right. with you? They should totally remake that now. Yeah. But uh, all right. Is like great idea, terrible execution. Where was I with? Oh, so I was talking to some folks about the Super Bowl, and uh, they were very disappointed. Dingus, shut up. I know sports. They were very disappointed that the go <laughs> power outage wasn't a blimp. Well, that the go-to <laughs> reference for the power outage was was a Bane thing. Was a was a Dark Knight Rises oh, thing. What? Oh, it a Black Sunday. Well, that's the thing. And and I was I was saying, well, there you know was there it? aren't. <laughs> I was saying, well, there aren't a lot of. Pop references about Super Bowl failures, about football failures, and so I was thinking of other ones. I, I believe a Super Bowl gets nuked in a Tom Clancy novel, if I'm not mistaken. That's Baltimore, which is the Super Bowl of East Coast state capitals. Okay, well I couldn't. I'll, Dingus, you'll have to let me know. You're the Tom Clancy expert here, but I think he nukes. I believe Super- it's yeah, it's the sum of all fears, and in the book, it's in Denver, but I don't know what happens in the movie. Okay, uh, and then also, and then also, I, I brought up Black Sunday, and these people had no idea what I was talking about. So I had to explain to them they were they were under thirty dingus. So I had to explain to them what Black Sunday was, and I couldn't really remember very clearly beyond the movie poster. So I was I was saying, well, I think they're going to uh, ram a blimp into the Super Bowl, and they're like, well. Isn't that kind of slow when people get out of the way? And I was like, well, no, you know, I think maybe the blimp is going to blow up. Yeah, that's what, like, shrapnel or something. Yeah. So I, I did a very poor job of representing Black Sunday. Dingus, you should have been there. Wait, what did you say it was? You said it was just a blimp not shooting darts. Well, I, 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 activity. I already have that. Um, I explained it. Were, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Speed 2 Cruise Control. Oh, no, here comes a ship. What are we going to do? Watch it crash <laughs> and the dog will bark. That's how dangerous it was all along. And he had to turn to Craig. Baltimore did win the Super Bowl, Tom. So you're getting real life mixed up with a Ben Affleck movie from 2002. Wait, I know Baltimore won the Super Bowl. Why are you telling me that? They won by three points because the dude returned the kick all the way to the... You've convinced me on that score, Identity Thief. But what about (laughs) what you told those people Black Sunday was about? That's the thing is I couldn't remember. No, what was your guess? Well, I started with they're going to crash a blimp into the Super Bowl, and they thought that sounded silly, and I, I conceded that that sounded silly. So then I vaguely remembered that Robert Shaw was involved, and they didn't really know who Robert Shaw was. So I had to then, so then I had to take another angle, and I said, oh well, you know, I think the blimp, the blimp is going to blow up, and it's going to be like shrapnel or something. And that was my final uh, attempt. By then, they listened. 
after Robert <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think Blimp Crash didn't impress them. And then we just went back to talk about Dark Knight Rises oh, or whatever. Humanity. Yeah. Uh, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. Is that your way? Were you at the Super Bowl trying to like, hey, I'm part of this. I can be, I can fit in with you guys. I know Baltimore was winning. No, I was not. Movie, yeah. Robert Shaw built the crashed. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's, let's, how about a three by three for next week? Are you guys ready for this? Yes. This is what we're going back to something specific. No more of this Kelly Wand, make up whatever you want for your picks yeah. this week. Okay, there's a scene in Identity Thief where they get in an elevator and the evil couple representing the, the the drug dealer in prison, they're in the elevator, and the cops are in the elevator, and Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy are in the elevator, and they're handcuffed, and everybody's in that elevator. And we get into the scene inside the elevator, and Melissa McCarthy is like, those are the ones. And she's communicating to Jason Bateman, and this is the tenth scene in the elevator, and something's going to happen. Oh, and then the elevator arrives, and they just walk out of the elevator, yeah. and that's that scene. What I want from you guys are – because elevators are great cinematic devices, and they're cool scenes involving elevators, either in elevators or waiting for an elevator or getting off an elevator or getting on an elevator. What I want from you guys are your three favorite elevator-related scenes. And Kelly Wan, don't even ask, can we use blah, 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 because the answer is yes, you can use that movie. And maybe you should wait and see if anybody's going to pick it next week because I I imagine as soon as I say this – Things are coming to mind for everybody listening, like, ah, that elevator scene or this elevator scene. So no questions allowed. That's it. I'm just, uh, no, Kelly Wand. No, stop. Yep, no questions, because the answer to your question, Kelly Wand, is yes. What See? if it's an escalator? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's not an elevator. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Neither are glowing humans. Yeah, that's right. Or s- stairs, not an elevator. A ladder, Kelly Wand, not an elevator, even though it does elevate a person. See? What if it's great and glass, but on a wire and... I don't know what you're thinking of, but I'm going to say no. I don't know. So anyway, elevator scenes, very straightforward. We've seen plenty of them. I'm sure you guys have a couple in mind. Listeners, we want to hear yours as well. You don't necessarily need to send in three, um, but you need to email them to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's the number three, the letter X, the number three, at quarter to 3 spelled out, dot com. Let us know what your picks are for elevator scenes. Two of the threes are spelled out. Wait. Nope. Number three. One is. Number three. Two nope. aren't. Ignore Kelly Wand. <laughs> There's only one three spelled out. That's quarter two, three. The others are numbers. Right. Fraction isn't spelled, is spelled out. Kelly Wand, what are we going to see next week? Uh, well, since side effects is playing in Vancouver, and we could see it. We're not going to see it, and we're going to see Live Hard, Die Free again. Four. Yeah. All right, six. There's no number in this one, right? Different Mm -hmm. offspring, gender. Uh, Well, hold on. I haven't seen I don't know anything about the... I don't know. I, I don't watch trailers. I don't know anything about this, except that I have no idea who the director is. And what did I point out to you, Dingus? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't it written by someone surprising? Or just I or did Jabsky? Nobody nobody on the poster is anybody you recognize except it looks like they just digitized Bruce Willis into a random cheap action movie. Right. right. Yeah. So maybe that's what we'll get. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be a pleasant surprise. It falls we'll past the logo. Oh, I know what I pointed out to you, Dingus, that Kelly Wand you'll be glad to know. It's R rated. Ah yes. Hmm. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? So you what? can get your whole Yippie Kaye line. 
Identity Thief was R-rated. Yes, it was. And I got only one Yippie Kaye line. You got no Yippie Kaye's, but you got eight F-bombs. How come Samuel Jackson's character never showed up again? He, uh, he died at the end of the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. He didn't. I made that up. Just like the 12% for, uh, uh, what was the movie there? Was claiming- and they live in the same city. Did he become a cop, too? He's like- traveling. You know, we'll find out. Maybe there will be a Sam Jackson cameo. We don't know. Um, so uh, I grabbed the-, in the movie you claim was 12%, right, right, 12% on, on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. Uh, so join us to see uh, Live Free and Die Hard next weekend, and then join us on the podcast. Send it's us your three is. Live for, Oh, shoot. Uh, Live Free in Russia. What it's a good it? day to die hard. Stop it. Are you serious? It's a oh. good day to die hard is the name of that movie? What's that Lord. mean? I don't understand even what die hard means. That's like a Klingon saying. <laughs> what the? I what? cannot believe it's called that. Good Lord. What's the third one? Die Hard. One last... Hard time. Well, whatever the latest one is called, see that and then join us next weekend for that. Uh, send us in your 3x3 three three for elevators uh, or listen to hear ours, uh, and we will see you next week. I'm Tom Chick, and I've been joined by Christian Makrowski. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. Kill hard, try not to die. Oh. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're What's the uh, song? Kelly, one, do you want to talk? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I was watching a. There was a trailer for World War Z, uh, which I closed my eyes. I didn't want to see any of it. I don't, I don't know anything about it. But then after the trailer was up, I, I noticed when the title comes up, the trailer's over, and I, I start looking then. So the trailer was over, and the world's World War come up, and then a big Z appears in the middle. And a few rows back, there was a girl in the audience who went, World War Two. Wait, did she tell that last week? Uh, I mentioned it to you guys off of the podcast. Oh, okay. You said I should say on the podcast. Oh, that's and, good yeah, for you. I'm sorry. All right, let's, let's yeah, do nice, that again. Nice poker face. <laughs> Take two. So, Kelly Wan, I was watching the trailer for World War Z. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have a candidate for us? Uh, I did, but I forgot it. Give me a minute. Okay, Would you like to listen to some fine music in the meantime, Kelly One? What's the song about? Uh, it's about Daniel Plainview drinking people's milkshakes. Do you like milkshakes, Kelly One? <laughs> Dingus, nice. Well done. God, I'm just trying to drink. I mean, I love them. Uh, agreed. Oh, God, your beard smells like sandwiches. <laughs>